last time those under the age first grade to kindergarten and under may go to children's church. As we begin our time of prayer, I want us to pray for a family that will be uh, traveling this this week. Uh, Jeff and, and Meredith Morgan. Uh, there you are. <laughs> My son is so class moved you over here. Okay. Uh, so they uh, they were Jeff was with us. Him and his uh, two of his boys uh, were with us when we went to Lynch, Kentucky, for the mission trip. Uh, there, working in that that area of Appalachian, and uh, they are going back to that area. Um, looking at the possibility of working there as the, the um, police chief of that town. And so um, uh, this is very much a, uh, a work, but also a ministry, and uh, we're just going to seek God's direction uh, in this. And that's, <clears throat> that's what we need to know. What does God want uh, for Jeff and Meredith as they go down Tuesday? And we'll be there for a couple of days to uh, check out the scene and uh, want us to uh, pray for them as they look at this uh, possibility. Um, and so uh, I think they would greatly covet that. And we're all going to pray together for God's clear direction that will be known to them one way or the other. And either way, we rejoice and uh, that we'll be following the Lord in this. Uh, so let's, uh, if you will, join me as we pray for Jeff and Meredith. Father, we thank you that you have called us to live our life to make a difference. Lord, you have said and pronounced us as ambassadors of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that that is true for Jeff and Meredith and their family. Lord, each one of us, we have been given our direction from you. And Lord, we pray for Jeff and Meredith, especially as they'll be traveling this week and Visiting Lynch, Kentucky, Lord, we pray that you would make it very clear your direction. Lord, as this involves the potential of a move, Lord, we pray that, uh, that whatever they do, they know that you are directing and very clear. So that would be as if it was such a so clarity in their life that it would be as a sin if they do or don't. So, Lord, we pray that you watch over them. Lord, as much as we don't want them to leave our area, we do want your will to be done. Because that is our only hope of success in this realm, is to follow your lead. So, Lord, as a church, we allow you to cross our will. Knowing that your will is for your kingdom's sake not ours. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, as we are going through this, what we call the coffee cup uh, sermons. Uh, These are verses that are so popular that they even often grace our coffee cups or our our walls. Uh, Romans 8, 28 certainly uh, fits the bill for that. Uh, criteria, uh, even if it's not on our walls, it's one that we often hear quoted that we've got in our own heart and mind. We quote to ourselves or share with others anytime there is a, a sense of uh, adversity or challenge, uh, sadness, suffering that we're going through. We often go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Uh, and so uh, I, I think about this when we, when we have these bad things. I, this past uh, 
past week, I, one of the young men I've come to know through a mission trip I went on in Belarus, uh, he lives in Washington uh, State, and uh, put online, uh, I believe it was on Monday, uh, pray for me, my brother was just shot. And uh, come the next morning, uh, the news was, my brother is dead. Uh, and he had shared that basically this young man, his name's Dennis Sloboda, uh, was uh, visiting uh, with him, and uh, someone was following him, and some kind of road rage ensued, and so he was hoping to uh, actually go to the hospital where his son had just been born, and uh, stayed with his brother, and uh, hoping to kind of let this guy simmer down and, and uh, go away. That didn't happen. Instead, an hour or two later, this man evidently follows Dennis and shoots him down. And so my young friend is dealing with this of, uh, what do I do when my brother's dead? And, and my young nephew uh, and, and his wife, I, how do I deal with this as a, a follower of Christ? And these are some of the questions he's dealing with in his own life personally. Um, you know, I, I've come across some uh, that we often say, well, you know, God, God's got a purpose in everything. And, and this is a refrain that as believers we share with one another. And, we, and, and even it, it goes across not to just believers, that anyone that starts having some ag- acknowledgement of God, uh, they start saying these things. Everything works together for good. God's got a reason for everything, right? And this is our hope. And I remember talking to a young man, uh, that was the reason why he didn't believe in God. Uh, interesting enough, uh, and he had shared with me uh, after we had discussed for a couple hours worth of just uh, God and uh, how he works and um, his not believing in God. Uh, and he said, well, here's what it came down to is I had a young uh, friend in, in high school that dealt with cancer, and I would be with her every day, and I was watching her go through the cancer and all the pain of it, and it just I was hearing people say there's a reason for everything, and, and I thought, if that's true, then God is sadistic. I don't want this type of God. And so he walked away from that experience, very much hurt, wondering what kind of God exists that allows things like this happen. So do you believe everything has a reason? That all the stuff that's going on, good, bad, ugly, God has a reason for it. Well, let's go to the Bible where this verse is often uh, contributed for that thought, that belief. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 Um, And so we're going to stand as we read this together. I'm going to read 28, 29, and 30 uh, as they come together. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You may be seated. I'm going to be focusing on primarily verse 28 as it is the verse that's often quoted uh, so for those of you who are hoping, I'm going to have a discourse on predestination, and uh, that'll be some other time. Uh, 
but it does play a part, obviously, in 29 and verse 30. It's a significant part. And so, uh, as we read this, first of all, there is this basis, as we read verse 28, for this, this promise of eternal optimism. Uh, there is this eternal optimism that, that is given right here in verse 28 when, when we see this, this thing, all things work together. And so, as we read this, it, it starts off with this and. So what's the end? This is to show there's some relationship to the ideas given before. And most of what he had been talking about in this general section of Romans 8, which is a great chapter, uh, is how to deal with suffering. And and he gives us some some comfort in in the sufferings we go through. And one of them is the certainty of hope that we have comfort uh, in the midst of suffering. And then there's the the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings us comfort and suffering. And then verse 28. And we know that God brings all these things together for good. There's this, this, this trust in God's sovereignty that comforts us in suffering. And so that's kind of a, a larger picture of how this verse fits in with Romans 8. And so he says, and we know. And so uh, of all the things that Paul is dealing with, he, he is understanding that this these believers in Rome know something. They know that God is working to bring things to good. And it says, all things. All things. So, uh, it brings a lot of comfort to me to realize that God is bringing all things together for a purpose, a good purpose. And I think about that and I realize, okay, that's, uh, so that's, uh, that's the sins of other people. All, right. all things are included when people hurt me and hurt those I love intentionally, maliciously, that God still works that item that issue for good and that's where you have the story of joseph where joseph is betrayed hurt sold uh by his siblings and that was just a a mercy (laughs) because they really wanted to kill him so you thought your brother was bad they hadn't probably sold you yet into slavery, where it just goes from bad to worse. And, and Joseph uh, gets brought back into a place uh, of power, and, and his brothers are, are begging for mercy in their life. And, and so he makes this statement, uh, Joseph does, what you intended for evil, God has used for good. And so we see how all things include the sins of other people. As we read in the Bible, we see that all things also include natural disasters. I, we read about that in Job, in the story of Job's life, how a great wind was used and wiped out his entire family, or most of his family, but that was still under God's designs that he was working together. And so when I, when I read and I look on the, on the news online and, and see about Matthew, you know, Hurricane Matthew, y'all, y'all paid attention to that? Uh, you know, is following the path of Hurricane Hazel. Those of you who lived back in that day should have some, you know, some memories of that. Uh, one of the worst storms ever to hit this area. And, and you're thinking, okay, what's next week going to look like? You know, I, I ordered the part for the generator that I've been needing for a while. Uh, it's just like, what, what's this going to look like? And, and, and so it helps me to understand that when a Hurricane Matthew is to come in and to uh, lay down on Raleigh, just to understand there is something that God is still working, even though it could be disastrous. It could be devastating personally, uh, as well as to human life, to understand that all things still are working together for good. And you know, one of the things I read about this and I realize, hey, all things work together for good, including my own mistakes. 
You know how much a comfort that is to me? Sometimes I think about that, I wonder about that. And yeah, that time when I was, I was trying to, to save up for a mission trip, and, and, and instead what happens is I back into somebody uh, in the gas station, I couldn't see them, and I'm thinking, oh, are you kidding me? This is like the last thing I need uh, to have to shell out some money that I'm, that I'm like, you know, Lord, I was trying to go somewhere and, and serve you in this, and now instead I'm having to give money to somebody because I backed into them. And I'm thinking, God, I sure hope you're powerful enough to work through my mistakes because I'm really frustrated with myself. Have you ever had those moments where you pay your stupid tax? You know, you do something stupid, you pay a tax. Interesting enough, as I look back on that, that encounter led me to talk to their family. And that encounter led me to share the gospel with a man uh, that was a, a stepfather who uh, just months later is killed in a motorcycle accident. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I guess it was worth this few hundred dollars. You work together these things, even our own mistakes, the sins of other people, even natural disasters. Now, does that mean all these things are good? No, notice the words. All things work together for good. I, I had a, a, a crazy, bizarre penchant one time to actually make something in the kitchen. Um, someone had put some video uh, of uh, some bread, and I thought, man, that looked good. I can do that. And I did. It was amazing. I was like, oh, I hope, you know, there's no expectations on me to do this again. You know, but, it, you know, you get all these parts, and, and, it, and it's just like, you know, I kind of like tasting stuff as I go, you know, and it's, it's like, oh, that's nasty. You know, you eat, eat something, and it's like, I, well, this is amazing. This has any, who thought to use this ingredient for the first time? You know, that this could actually produce something good. But, you, but what the thing about cooking is you put them all together, and somehow the skillful, knowledgeable person makes something good. That's kind of the idea that you've got in Romans 8.28, is that God is taking these things. It's kind of the picture of a, an orchestra conductor that can take these sounds and the minor notes and, and all the various instruments that on their own sounds ridiculous. And, but yet a conductor uh, is able to see the big picture and is able to lift up and and to quiet down and to bring out various sounds so that is sounding together, a symphony sounding together, something beautiful to the glory of God. That is what's going on. So that the person who reads this, knows it, and falls in line with this, can say, I have an eternal optimism. All things are working together for good. But as we read this, I also want you to see that there's also a promise of an eternal pessimism. (laughs) The promise of eternal pessimism. What's that? Well, first of all, you need to be very careful here to understand there's some qualifiers to this promise. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You notice the qualifying statements? There's there's two of them. Those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so, uh, are you called 
Are you loving God? And so the thing about this is it helps us to understand those who are called by God. Those who are called by God, what's the effect? How do you know that you're called by God? You know that you're called by God when you love God. There is a love for God. Now, let me just kind of speak on this for a little bit because what happens to those who are not? Because that's not everybody. Have you, have you noticed that? Not everybody loves God. Not everybody's called according to his purpose. In fact, Jesus looked around and realized that most people are not. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, many be on it. Few are on the road that leads to life. So there is a promise of eternal pessimism. This is that one who goes through life and does not love God, does not know the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, calling them uh, to God's purposes. So they have, according to this scripture, it's implied internal pessimism. What does that look like? Well, they go through life. Just like the other one else, good and bad things happen, right? Bad things happen to most everybody. Good things happen to most everybody. The, the Bible says that, that rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. There is a goodness that extends to everyone. But the person who does not love God, uh, does not, is not called according to his purpose, will experience the rain, experience the sunshine, will see the rainbow that came out the other day, uh, will see the flowers, will know the friendship, the grace of friendship, of camaraderie, of people around them, will know the glory of tasting good food, the sounds of beautiful music, will enjoy the fun, enjoyment of physical activity. They will have these same graces as well, but instead of bringing an eternal good to their life, they have taken these things, enjoyed the things God has given, but have not loved the one who gave them, have not loved God, is not called. And so the Romans tells us that these things, these graces, the things they're enjoying, are just adding up wrath. <laughs> adding up the wrath of God. So that even the good things work together for their condemnation. Can you imagine that? Just, I mean, think about the opposite of these. All things work together for condemnation to those who are not called by God, who do not love Him. That is an eternal pessimism. Win the lottery. Sure. Win five billion dollars. It all works to your condemnation. When there is no love of God and you're not called by God. This is the eternal pessimism. But let's look at the condition of the promise. What's the condition? Because they go either way. Which promise are you holding on to? Or is holding on to you? as you walk out, will be largely determined by the conditions. The conditions, simply, those who love God for those who are called according to His purpose. So what does it mean to love God? First of all, it's not to meet the needs. For us to love someone normally is to meet the needs of someone else above your own and do it joyfully. But what need does God have? God has no needs that we have to fulfill. It is not to just love the things that God gives us. It's not just that we love forgiveness. 
I don't just love the fact that he has given me eternal life. I don't just love the fact that he is uh, saving me from condemnation. Loving God is, is more than just loving what he gives. Loving God is desiring God himself beyond his gifts. His gifts reflect something. They reflect his character. Have you ever thought about what kind of God it is that does what we just sung about? That will extend his love to you as an unrighteous person? What kind of character does it? It is to love that character behind. Love the God who motivates, desires, and longs for these things. Not just the fact that I'm a recipient of his love. The fact that God is this type of God. And so I love him, desiring him beyond his gifts. And so as I experience the gifts, it's ways for me to get to know him. And that is a good thing. That is my heart cry, is to long for that. Loving God is treasuring God himself beyond his, his gifts. Love for God is delighting in God himself beyond his gifts. Love for God is being satisfied in God himself beyond his gifts. Are we just satisfied with his gifts? Or is there, you know, who's the one behind this? I want to be satisfied in my relationship with him. Not just that he gives me peace. Not just that he gives me strength. These things are good, but they're good because they help me get to know him and have him. Loving God is cherishing God himself beyond the gifts. Is savoring God beyond just the gifts. It's to value him beyond just the gifts. Prizing, revering, admiring God to say, this is the most beautiful one. How does that happen? God works in our heart. That is the calling aspect, where he calls us to himself. So these are the conditions that he's saying, look, for either one, if it's going to be for eternal optimism, it is to love God. For eternal pessimism, all we simply have to do is love something else more. It is not just an emotional thing, like, okay, now I'm loving God, now I'm not loving God, so now I've got the blessings of God, now I don't have the blessings of God. It's not a, a wishy-washy thing that goes with their emotions, that this person who's called by God is, has the eternal, continuous work of the Holy Spirit. There may be emotional highs and lows, but it's not set on your emotion. It's setting on God working in your heart. And so I'm always resting in the work of Christ, not my own ability to nurture emotions, but in Christ's work in my life. But it does matter how I get my mind thinking and what satisfies and what I go to for pleasure. And so if we find ourselves that we constantly have, have to have the next thing on for our nurtured heart, the next thing on the television, the next thing on the screen, or the next thing we got to look up online, if that is what we're driving us, we are in danger of losing the real joy of which everything rests on. So, we keep on reading here. It says, all things work together for good. So what does that mean for good? Uh, that's a key thing, right? So does good mean what's comfortable, what's most convenient for me, or maybe what makes my lifestyle a little easier? 
There is that definition, right? That's how we would most define good. That was a good meal. All right, it satisfied my desires for eating. All right, that was a good service. <laughs> Depends on if I let you out in the next few minutes, right? Uh, well, that means it satisfied some desire I have uh, in, in this. So, and so the goodness is certainly in our end related to our desires. But interesting how Jesus defined good. When he came, uh, was walking this earth, we see this uh, passage in Luke 18, 19. Someone came to him and asked him and said to him, good teacher. And Jesus simply asked this, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So, Jesus' standard for good, God's standard for good, is really one thing, himself. This is good. Everything else deviates. So when he says, all things are working together for good, they're working together for God. Well, God, that seems like a, a bum deal. You're getting all the benefits, I'm getting the pain. How is that good? Well, keep on reading, and we see this in the next verse. He explains this, this, this purpose, this good purpose. Verse 29, you see that word, for those? It says this is an explanation of what I've just said. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so what is good, according to this passage, is that we are conformed to something good, the image of God. We are being conformed by God through all these things to help me to be Christ-like. So when Hurricane Matthew comes, or if it comes and hits our air and things are just terrible, there is things that God is going to be working through those things to help us to be Christ-like. When I hit someone's car and I have to pay money and it costs me, there's some things that God is working in that to help me to become Christ-like. When someone sins against me, hurts me, damages me, my reputation or whatever it might be, my bodily uh, uh, health, that if they're hurting me, there's something God is working through that to help me to become Christ-like. So when the doctor calls and says, you have cancer, there is some hope still of saying, okay, I may be losing my health, but God, will you work through this and help my spiritual health grow? The eternal optimism. But you know, though, that's only good news, good news for those who want to be like Christ, isn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, that's just not doing it for me, Pastor. I, you know, okay, great, I can be like Christ-like, but you know what, this hurts a lot. That just doesn't. Do it for me. So I would perhaps maybe challenge you to say, well, maybe we need to go back to the conditions of what makes eternal optimism is those who are called by God and love God. 
Perhaps maybe what we need to pray for is for you to get an image of who God is. The beauty of who Christ is that is greater than what this world of sin can give to us. That's the challenge we have to ask ourselves. So let me just bring some questions to you. These are some questions I got from Brother Jerry White who is in the midst of his own little travails as far as his house being destroyed in, in Louisiana. Do I truly believe my Heavenly Father has planned my path in His love? Am I contented with the path my Father has appointed for me to walk? Do I want to learn obedience through suffering like my Lord Jesus did. Is the Lord Jesus really what I treasure most? Is there ever a time, place, or circumstance when Jesus is not more than enough for what I encounter? Am I pleasing my Lord by faithfully trusting Him moment by moment? These are some questions just to ask ourselves to say, what do we really believe? But let me just warn you. Sometimes we think of this like, no, no. To be honest, I'm treasuring something else more than Jesus Christ. I would want some more advancement in my life. I want some more promotion in my jobs. I want some more comfort with my family. I want some more health personally or health with my family. And, these, and to be honest, these are the things that rival. But let me ask you, what if you get that but you don't get Jesus? What if you get those advancements and you get those things that you, you tend to mutter and complain about with God? God says, fine, you get that. But you lose out on your relationship with God. I think about that with the people of Israel where they were complaining about the food they were eating and saying, God, you know, we're really tired of this manna. I mean, we've had this day after day after day. And, yet, you know, this is really old. I'm thinking about the fruits and vegetables and things we had in Egypt. And, and they were just clamoring and complaining against God. And finally God said, fine, I will give you what you want until it comes out of your nose. What he's saying, and quell come, and eat so much they get sick. And Psalms describes that. It says God gave them meat to eat, but gave them leanness of soul. Fat bodies, skinny souls. God says, you get what you want. Deal with it. What if God gave you exactly what you want, but you lost Jesus? You lost God's working in your heart and life. What would one man give for the price of his soul? How much does one soul cost? We answer that question every day. By what we trade for God. 
How much is your soul worth? Maybe for someone to feel important about you for a little while. That's how much the soul was worth. You traded out your relationship with the Lord so that people would be pleased with you. Or maybe your soul was worth some stimulating moments on the computer. You traded out a relationship with the Lord so you could have satisfaction in your desires. You know, I think about this and I ask, is this really true? I mean, it's in the Word of God, but is this true? Is it true that those who love God and are called according to His purpose, all things work together for good? And you might make an argument with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loved God. He said, it is my will to do the Father's will. I don't do anything unless the Father does it. I don't say anything unless the Father says it. Whatever I see Him do, I join Him in that. It is my heart's desire to glorify the Father. And He loved God the Father. And He was called by God Father said to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He was called. Yet all these things in his life, they work together for his condemnation. Jesus on the cross was the one that endured our shame, our sin. All things work together at that moment for his condemnation. Yet he loved God and called according to the purpose of God. Yet here's the good news, is that Jesus' life, His holiness, His love was greater than my sin, greater than my shame, because He was able to endure my eternal crime against Him, and yet still had life to live. And said, okay, I paid the price. I've come back from the dead to show you my life is greater than your sin. My holiness is greater than your sin. My love is greater than your, your hatred. And so he endured my condemnation and now has made it so that all things work together for good because for Jesus in that moment, all those things work together for his condemnation so that eternally we can be restored to him. So listen, I just plead with you. As we sing these songs... I know you can do it without thinking about it. I know you can mouth the words and it appeases the people around you enough. But I beg of you, think through the words. Let it change your heart, your mind, and sing with the worth of God in your life. When we're singing together, that is how we worship the Lord, is we've been experiencing this together. And even though we've had hard weeks, bad times, there's this, okay, God, will you work together for good these things? And maybe to hear with someone else how God is working their life. Maybe it's to cry with someone else how they're seeing hard things happening, but extending hope out to them listening to them, being there with them. This is part of what makes us church together. But as we leave, not just in the songs we sing, but as we live our life, as we go home to the family, to realize, you know what, people may diss me, they may ignore me, they may talk bad about me, someone may cut me off in traffic, but you know what, I've got a God 
who's working all things together for good. We just cannot think about this enough. So, yeah, put it on your coffee cups. Put it on your walls. But remember that these are promises that are conditioned on something. And the greatest thing that we've got is God working for us. And therefore, we can know his love and love him back and create eternal optimism. Let's pray.